This is a view from the bunker. Now, here's Derek Gilbert. As Christians, we know that evil is real. We're told in the book of Ephesians that we wrestle not against human opponents, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and uh, cosmic rulers over this present darkness. But some of their agents do happen to be human. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Our guest is a documentary filmmaker. He's the uh, man who produced the film The Smiley Face Killers. He's also an author, Prophet of Evil, Alistair Crowley, 9-11 and the New World Order, Children of the Beast, Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders, and the topic of tonight's conversation, his new book, Global Death Cult, The Order of Nine Angles, Adam Waffen, and the Slaughter of the Innocents. It is uh, our honor to welcome back to the program for the first time in way too long, William Ray. William, thanks for joining us tonight. Derek, great to be with you again. Thanks for the invitation. It's uh, been since you were out here in the Ozarks back, uh, what, four years ago, I think, since yeah. we last talked? Seems like it. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, we, ta- we discussed past. the smiley face killers. But uh, this, this new book that you've got is, uh, frankly, it's about groups that I'd not heard of before. The Order of Nine Angles almost sounds like a name that um, would be invented for some... Uh, uh, supernatural crime thriller or something, but uh, this is real, and uh, there are security types, law enforcement types, who take these guys and Adam often uh, very seriously. Yeah, and they should. I think very wisely they should take them very seriously. I think they're both new groups, and that's probably why I didn't know much about them either. Really, I think somebody tried to get the point across to me a while back, but really, Igor Sarsky was a guy who reached out to me really just last year, and then I kind of had to play catch up and try to figure out what these groups are, but they really were groups that uh, have shown up through the internet over the last, you know, at least the order of nine angles was in the early eighties and Adam often's really not that old, maybe five, six years old, but they've been in the news. Both, both groups have been in the news recently. So what is the order of nine angles? Well, it is a group that started out of England um, and they were pre-internet. They were a group that was a satanic group and, Really, it was one guy by the name of David Myatt, who was probably the central figure, if not the only figure, who was writing these kind of missives and sending them out through P.O. boxes, etc. And their ideas, they had some very intense ideas. They, they distinguished themselves from other satanic groups in their attitude towards what they call culling, which is a husbandry term, like when you go out and you know, kill off the sheep or something, but their attitude was towards human beings. So uh, their original documentation, which I include quite a bit of it in my book, they talk about how they distinguish themselves from people like the Temple of Set or Michael Aquino uh, in their attitude towards murdering human beings. So um, that's kind of what it came to my attention because I had been doing all this research into what's known as the Smiley Face Killers. Uh, and where young men were this phenomenon of young men disappearing and being found in water at a later date typically uh, did not drown. So this was kind of something that overlapped. So once I found out about this probably of November of 2020, I really started, actually it was August, I really started researching. So I went back through and read all the original documentation and got as much as I could, much information as I could. And what I found was, I thought, really important. And thus, I compiled it into this book, Global Death Cult. So the Order of Nine Angles considers the Temple of Set and other satanic groups to be not serious when it it comes to the real practice of human sacrifice. Correct. So they there's uh, one section, chapter three, are the satanic letters of Anton Long, which consist of, of writing, which is suspected to be of David Myatt and the Temple of Set, including some uh, correspondence between them and Michael Aquino, who was the head of the Temple of Set, formerly associated with the Church of Satan, Anton LaVey's Church of Satan. And they are, the arguments are that he was kind of Myatt in the Order of Nine Angles is calling them posers, I think. <laughs> posers in the sense that they weren't uh, serious about killing people. And that's really this group in its formation. They have a kind of a septenary system, which is a seven-part system. And the fifth part is to ascend up to the seventh part of that system. The fifth part, you have to find what they call a um, uh, an offer, which is a German term for a sacrifice, and complete a sacrifice to go up that uh, the sevenfold way. So who is this guy, David Myatt? Well, it's a really good question because <clears throat> he was 
somebody who came up through the far right of the UK and was really a national socialist. He uh, was kind of unique among the national socialists in that he was intelligent and university educated. So he started compiling all of this stuff. I think he was a very frustrated national socialist that they were unable to get much public uh, support in the UK. And it's not surprising considering that they had gone through World War II, but he had been in this kind of UK Nazi underground and started and concurrently was experimenting in the occult. He had gone through kind of a Crowley group, an OTO group. But then I think he started really writing these missives, really only kind of pamphlets, like three or four page pamphlets. But then they compiled in time and really kind of coalesced into different uh, books. One is The Sinister Tradition, uh, this, The Black Book of Satan. So these were the early books that came together. And really, you can see that he and he had a list of like he was sending these out on photocopies back in the 80s and 90s. But he was really kind of the central figure for the formation and ideology of the Order of Nine Angles, which has really morphed into the present. But pre-internet, I think he was really pulling information from uh, his experiences reading with Crowley and kind of other occult topics. So these guys came to your attention through your research into the Smiley Face Killers or Alistair Crowley or both? No, the Smiley Face Killers. So somebody reached out to me and said, hey, you should look into this group, The Order of Nine Angles. And I've done three interviews with this guy, Igor Sarsky, who did a lot of research into the LNA. And I include his kind of our two of our conversations in the, in the appendix to the book because I think they're very important because they go into their kind of the deeper aspects of their ideology. But it's very interesting because when it came to my attention, there were these other current events that involved the ONA. There was a guy by the name of William Von Nudigem in Toronto who was out at night and slit some guy's throat, came up behind him. So it seems like, and there was actually, you can go see his YouTube video where he's doing an ONA chant. So it's really something else. Like you can actually see him practicing the ONA in real time. Hmm. So what are the, what yeah. are the beliefs? What what are the uh, the the tenets of the organization? Uh, what, what what is it that they believe? What are they trying to accomplish? Well, I think they have a long term goal. So they, like I said, they have the sevenfold way. But the order of nine angles is this idea. There's nine angles that involve the moon, Jupiter, Mars, but a gate and stargate. So they have and a dark gate. So they have this idea of a terrestrial realm and then kind of like a dark spiritual realm. And they want to presence these dark forces. They actually call them the 21 dark gods. Supposedly, Myatt found, well, in, during his travels, he was uh, fortunate enough to be well-traveled. But during his travels, one of his travels to the Middle East, he supposedly said he found a manuscript and that those were the core dark 21 dark gods that they were trying to presence from the old kind of ancient Sumerian stuff. So they tried to go as far like all the other occultists, they're all trying to go back as far as possible into kind of ancient Sumer and the dark gods of the Middle East. So that's what they're trying to do is presence these dark gods. That's their, their whole idea. And so they do all these rituals to, to that end. Uh, but it also involves kind of uh some other standard kind of Satanism and sex magic and things like that. But I think as far as their long-term goals, they have this idea of kind of a, uh, a dark kind of political system in 300 years where they will kind of advance through the, to the stars. So they kind of have a space opera idea, kind of like uh, Scientology or something where they will attain and infiltrate political systems and eventually, uh, you know, get rid of all the people they don't want and take over the, you know, become a kind of galactic empire. <laughs> so the, the ultimate level, the ultimate level then is that they actually become the gods that, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it seems a lot of pagan religions ultimately have that as, as the goal that you shall be as gods. Who, who are these dark gods? Do they name them? Yeah, so they have like all these names, Noctulius, Nithra, Shugara, Aosoth, Anazagan. So they have, and then they have these sigils for each of those uh -huh. dark gods. But they also tried to distinguish them from Lovecraft, 
But so they say they're actually real gods of legend, but they seem very Lovecraftian to me. But it's kind of one of those things where you can tell that Myatt or whoever formulated uh, formulated the ONA doctrines has has just like Crowley, really, when he's doing the OGO, he's taken in elements from a variety of different traditions. Yeah. I've had my head deep into Mesopotamian cosmology for the last five years, pretty much. And I've not heard a single one of those names that you just rattled off. So, yeah, I'm so I mean, that's those the are, whole thing is like there's no evidence to actually verify that these are real. So it's somewhat telling, I think. Well, yeah, on the one hand, but on the other, these uh these entities lie, so it may well be that they're real and just making up names. I, I just have this mental image of, you know, in the spirit realm of these things kind of throwing out names that they're making up on the spot and just laughing hysterically as these uh, dupes fall for it. The tragedy is that uh, these guys take it really seriously, which includes harming other people. They, they've, in your book, uh, Global Death Cult, you mentioned that... Uh, there was something that, that Mayat seemed to be following, a, a Hellenic ethos that uh, was that, that he perceived in, in Homer's Odyssey and uh, Iliad. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he took in these kind of ideas, these esoteric elements from the Hellenic tradition and integrated them into this. So that was one part of it. He considers himself somebody who's involved in translating, you know, classical documents, including mm. I think it was Corpus Hermeticum, I think was the uh, was the Greek document. But so he's in, he's integrated that and a lot of kind of Nazism like they they consider the year of Fian or year of rejoice. There's all kinds of weird terminology in this group, but they time their beginnings from 1889 which is the birth of hitler so there's definitely nazism involved in this this kind of and i think that their idea to culling is an evolutionary uh impulse so they are culling what they believe people who should go and be you know put down for the betterment and the advancement of of humanity so i think that's very much in the kind of nazi tradition well at the end of the day that's eugenics which uh it was it really originated here in the United States and was carried back to Germany by uh, some of their scientists in the 1920s and 30s. But it's it's a very old, uh, very old practice. I mean, the whole motto of uh, the global eugenics congresses that took place 100 years ago was self-directed evolution, which is a motto adopted by many in the uh, transhumanist movement today. It's just transhumanism carried to its most logical uh, end. Yeah, I think so. I think that these guys believe that their culling practices are advancing. You know, they call it aeonic change. It's advancing this change towards the new aeon that they want by culling people, culling the really people they consider unfit. Maya started this back in the 80s, and we're just now learning about these uh, this group some 35, 40 years later. Why did it take so long for them to come to the attention of researchers and law enforcement? That's a great question. I think it's because originally it had nothing to do with the Internet. Then the Internet era kind of came to the fore in the 90s and started dispersing it. But really within the last two or three years, there have been cases that have come that have been that have surfaced this doctrine. So uh, you you just have this corpus that's really grown into a thousand pages from the original uh, manuscripts, Naos, Black Book of Satan, etc. But they, there was that one case of William von Nudigen. There was Ethan Meltzer who contacted ONA groups and said that he was going to um, uh, betray his his unit, his military unit that was going to be in Turkey, so that they could get have a fake terrorist thing. He's actually in the same jail as Ghislaine Maxwell right now. hasn't been tried yet. And then the Adam Waffen popped up. And there was five deaths associated with Adam Waffen. He started in 2015. But the ideas that Mayat put together, these kind of a mix of occultism and Nazism, found their affinity within Adam Waffen. So you'll see within their social media, within the stuff they're reading, they're reading ONA doctrines. And Adam Waffen, very uh, aggressive 
and uh, they were involved in SWAT, these massive SWAT, like the biggest swatting campaign, campaign, which is where you call the police and say, you know, there's a problem at 123 Smith Street. And then the police show up thinking there's some kind of criminal act going on. But they were doing it. to They did it to the head of the Homeland Security Department. Oh. Homeland Security, I think it was Christian Nugent. I can't remember her last name. But I mean, so. That really, I think, and and some other researchers have looked into them as well. There's other known journalists, and they go, guys, these are this ONA doctrines have now permeated the far right in the U.S., the U.K., and they've spread. They have this idea, like you could call it a kind of a cell or a, a you know like an intelligence cell or a communist cell. They call them Nexion. So he or Myatt devised this kind of idea where this small group of people would be a spiritual group that would uh, be an out, a kind of an outpost of the ONA, and they're called Nexians. But they started popping up all over the world. So you have these Nexions in almost 25 countries, and I show that in you know my Chapter 7, Global Reach of the Order of Nine Angles, that they showed up in the UK, Australia, Brazil, Egypt, Germany, Ireland, Italy, I mean, Iceland, Spain, South Africa. So now this because of the internet and global communications, this group has really spread. I don't think they're a huge group, but I think they're very aggressive and lethal. Their sensibilities are lethal. So um, I think that's why it's just kind of surfaced now is that people have been caught uh, by by the police and have, have had their affiliation to the ONA revealed or exposed. You, you mentioned Ethan Meltzer, a fellow who's in... Um the same facility as uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, what military unit was he with and what did he do that uh, got him uh, in trouble? So what he, what Meltzer was doing, he was, uh, I'm trying to remember. He was in, he was, I think he was from Tennessee and he was in Italy. He was in, I can't remember what branch of the military he was, but he was supposedly in contact according to, it's in my book, according to, the um, the filing from the U.S. Attorney's Office, he was in contact and was trying to betray his own group. And it's interesting, too, because you can find um, you can actually see this online where there's a picture of Meltzer with a the Sinister Tradition, which is a, like one of the notorious books of the ONA. Um, so there's a picture of that in him on, on some of these like uh, on. Yeah, it was. Let's see. Twenty twenty. He was twenty two. He was, I don't know what U.S. Army unit he was, but the Department of Justice said that he was trying to facilitate a mass casualty event on his Army unit in Italy in twenty May 2020. So these are fairly recent, right before uh, or are during, actually, COVID. Huh. Now, another fellow you write about in the book, um, Global Death Cult, Ryan Fleming. Uh, he's another one who's come to the attention of uh, security services and law enforcement. Um, what is... What is his uh, what is his deal? Well, that's another one. Like, so you have this guy coming out of the UK and I could show that he was in communication with other members of this group. But he was also kind of in the far right. And I think it's important to uh, like one of the concepts that Myatt inculcated into the ONA was this concept of insight roles where you would infiltrate certain groups and learn from them. So you'd still be an ONA member, but you can infiltrate the far right or whatever and actually try to manipulate them or influence them to fulfill ONA objectives. So a lot of these guys, like Ryan Fleming was interesting because I think he was an ONA member before he joined the far right in the UK. But he was, I think he was all over the place. He writes his own things. He has his own kind of, he writes under the pseudonym A.A. Moraine, but he had probably, he had, I think he got arrested for repeated relations with underage girls but he also was part of his own like i talked about earlier this idea of a nexian he was part of uh, a nexian in yorkshire called the dracon covenant so he was writing all the stuff in the martinet press who just popped up recently and another another ona so there's a lot going on there was even after i published this book there's been two deaths in russia associated with the ona uh within the last couple of weeks actually so there's a lot going on in fleming i think um has written and I include in the book like these guys are talking about going into going into cities late at night and committing crimes and trying to get away without getting caught. So 
uh, yeah, really dark. And he was part of what the, I think the far right group he Fleming was part of was called National Action. So Nexion is uh, just a short form of connection. Well, I think that they would say N, it's N E X I O N, and I think it's like Nexus. So it's like a nexus between the the kind of terrestrial world and this kind of dark spiritual world. Unlike other far right groups, though, these guys are motivated by a uh, an occult yes. belief and a and a, a, in service to these twenty one dark gods. Yes, that was the original kind of doctrines of the LNA. So they are trying to presence these dark gods. And Fleming's a perfect example. I think you can still go to his website right now and you can see him doing these kind of strange rituals. They're not not showing him doing it, but he has all of these kind of kind of uh, like a temple or a setup where he's trying. He has the same names of these same dark gods, some of which I listed off where he's trying to like presence them or some something like very odd like that so that's his uh i remember what's his rune with a wordpress.com i think is his website and, and by presencing you mean summon them and, and make them manifest <sighs> yeah well it gets pretty deep but they talk about presencing but then the presencing i think is they're being possessed by them uh-huh. so they become uh they become vehicles for that mm-hmm. for the dark god the goal being then to execute whatever the dark god's will is in with the ultimate goal being ruling the world i think that's eventually what their original plan was they call they think they're at the third stage right now of the lna where they're comfortable with what they've done originally of compiling the original documentation the second part was supposedly expansion, and now it's infiltration, I think, is what their third stage is, according to that. And it's very odd because David Might's been allowed to enter the U.S. Like, I think he came out to California for a meeting of all these groups. But it's very odd because it wasn't until within the last year that these guys came on the radar of the federal government here. So now uh, the ONA is being bandied about with Department of Department of Homeland Security and some other groups, and they're writing about them as a danger. But uh, they were flying under the radar for decades. Why is that? Was it just the uh, the fact that most of their work was pre-internet era, or just small numbers, or why didn't anybody pay attention to these guys? I mean, I think it really was that they d- didn't have any overt crimes that could be tied to them, and so now with Adam Waffen being wrapped up. I'm not not wrapped up, but most of the leaders have gone to jail uh, that they realized that this was a much bigger problem. And I think also it's a very unique phenomenon. I don't know if uh, the criminologists caught up with this kind of strange occult group that operates on the Internet inter, you know, internationally and has PGP, you know, pretty good privacy. They're communicating using encryption and they didn't really understand them. So I think that that was another thing. They didn't understand their lethality. And that's why it took a while to kind of figure it out. How much of that might be due to what you found when you were researching uh, Abomination, the the book about the West Memphis three case and uh, Damian Eccles, the, the fact that law enforcement just doesn't seem to get occult crime. No, I agree with that, too. I mean, that's that's part of the larger issue, right? So they left FBI landing report. There's no such thing as a cold crime. It's a it's uh, which I mean, I think you can obviously show through proof and factual evidence that there is a cult motivations in certain crimes. Richard Ramirez and some of these other Damien Eccles, probably. So I think you're right. It might just be a kind of a blinders on um, kind of federal policing. Has that situation changed at all? Gotten any better? I mean, the West Memphis Three murders were what twenty years ago. I, I've forgotten what year yeah, those. Nineteen ninety three. It's almost thirty years. So, in the last thirty years, have you detected or seen any indication that that uh, law enforcement is becoming more sensitive or more aware of the reality of occult crime? No. So it doesn't look good. So I, I haven't really seen. It is interesting that the Congress, the uh, you know, the Congress is actually had some hearings that involved the ONA. So the Order of Nine Angles is on the radar of some of these groups. And because 
there's this kind of current pro push against white supremacy. I think the ONA is is now on the radar where it wasn't. But I don't know if the totality of their understanding of what the ONA is. I don't think they really go all the way and say that it's an occult group, which it is, which it's obviously an occult group. So they just see it as a white supremacy group. But um, yeah, I, I didn't yeah. I didn't mean to laugh out there you know, to inappropriately, but it just struck me as so typical of where America is right now in 2021 that uh, being involved in the occult, even if the occult is uh, a, a violent cult serving a dark God, that's OK. As long as you're not a white supremacist, that's what shows up on law enforcement radar. The fact that you're right. following a cult leader who is advocating culling the the weak and useless humans you know, actually murdering them in service of these 21 dark gods. Okay, well, that's fine. They're just probably, you know, LARPers, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that's not true. I mean, if you look at some of these recent deaths of Russian kind of things, you don't know yeah. how many people they've actually successfully. I mean, you're, according to their own doctrines, you're supposed to kill them or cull them without getting caught. So that's the whole gist is like. You're not supposed to do it openly. It's supposed to be like a secret murder. So how many possible things that people have seen, whether it's a car crash, a drowning, anything is actually something other than something other than that. So, I mean, that's really kind of what caught my eye about this whole group after studying the smiley face killers, because their doctrines fit right into that whole phenomenon. And this group and other people have discovered that on some of their main websites of the ONA, they're using a smiley face. So they have that same kind of uh, symbolic theme that's that I researched in these other things where they're using the same graphic of a smiley face. Why is that? So this is where Igor, uh, and forgive me, his last name again is? Sarsky. Sarsky. E- e- Igor Sarsky reached out to you and said, hey, you might want to look to see are there see, see if there are any connections between these two groups. Or, or does he believe that there are connections between the uh, smiley face murders and the uh, Order of Nine Angles? Well, the ideology of, I think, the ideology of the ONA, there's no proof. I don't have any proof, mm-hmm. but the ideology of the ONA fits into the smiley face killers phenomenon, in my opinion. But not, not, there's not a lot of obvious stuff. But if you look, like they have this kind of idea of water, water deaths. Um, there's a wa- very much water theme of this group, and they clearly have an external doc, external documents that you can read, but they clearly have stuff that's either in an oral tradition, meaning it's spoken among themselves, or there are secret manuals that I haven't read. So it's kind of like almost Damien Eccles, where he has other books that are public, Mind Magic and stuff like that, that I haven't read. But I think the ONA is, is similar in that regard. So some of their secret doctrines are not, they're not known to the public, not known to me at least. So it might just be something that's uh, only for initiates that they know about. Hmm. This is crossing over into some of the research that I've been doing recently. I've got a book coming out in November called The Second Coming of Saturn. And one of the lines of research led me to um, northern Mesopotamia and the ancient Hurrian people, H-U-R-R-I-A-N, who show up in the Bible as the Horites. They had a temple at a city in northern Syria called uh, Urkesh. And uh, researchers there, the archaeologists who excavated the site, which sadly they had to stop in 2011 because of the Syrian civil war, it has a, a, a drain leading from a platform down to an area called the Abi, A-B-I. And uh, scholars have found that that is probably the word that predates the Sumerian abzu or abyss, but also the Hebrew word ov, which shows up in our Bible, usually as the word medium, like the ov of Endor, the, the medium of Endor. Uh, mm-hmm. It refers to a ritual pit, a necromantic ritual pit. Well, the one at Urkesh is about 45 feet deep, and they've only been able to excavate the first 20 or so because of uh, concerns about the integrity of the walls. But this this drain leading the water down, uh, according to Hurrian texts that have been found from the later Hittite kingdom refer, refer, refer to this as like a divine water course of the, the, the river that leads to the netherworld. And where I'm going with this is this connection to the chief God or the father God of the Hurrians, Kumarbi, who is the equivalent of Saturn and Kronos in the Greek pantheon, who was banished to the netherworld by in, in the fake news pagan mythological version banished to the netherworld by his son, the storm God who took over whether it's Zeus, Jupiter or 
Teshub in the Hurrian pantheon. Same story, just different names. But that's actually a a twisted retelling of what happened in Genesis chapter 6, where the sons of God, God saw that the daughters of man were fair and took wives of any they chose. And for that, God sent the flood of Noah and then banished these entities to the netherworld. Those are the spirits that are in prison that Jesus preached to or proclaimed to in First Peter 3. So you've got this idea and this, this theme that keeps recurring in the Bible, but also in the pagan cosmologies of deities who are on the far side of a body of water or under the water. Uh, there's right. a reference in the book of Job about spirits that are under the water, Rephaim that are under the water, uh, and the water in the Bible representing chaos or the abyss or the... Uh, uh, the, the bottomless pit. So you get this idea here that uh, th- there may be some kind of odd connection that's being. Um... Yes. I mean, if you have, have you read the book, because I, I include a lot of the stuff about their their kind of mythos and fables about these beings being in the water and things being thrown in the water. There's, I mean, there's definitely an occult element and they have this kind of concept of the tricycle, which represents the god of the underworld represented by um what's the greek god who was uh, the poseidon? god the, neptune poseidon yeah, poseidon yeah. neptune right and so neptune is they represent the ona is on the side of neptune to take over from where the old god zeus was right so right right they represent that that element of and that actually goes into kind of Nazism, too, which is like this whole idea of the Black Sun where they're from, uh, you know, they're they're part of the chaotic tradition. So they're actually trying to ge- create change through chaos. So it fits in. It fits into some of that. It depends how deep it is. Like, I'm, I don't know anybody from the ONA, but their doctrines may be such that they believe that they're something to do with water and, and placating these old dark gods yeah. through water or something. Yeah. It's not implausible to me. Well, I want to uh, emphasize for people wondering here, tricycle, what, what's a tricycle got to do with this dark God of the underworld? No, it's tri and then sickle as in a scythe, which was right. the symbol used. That was the, uh, the tool used in the, um, the Greek and Roman myth by um, Kronos or uh, Saturn to castrate the sky God. Uranus in the Greek myth and uh, Kalos in the Roman myth to castrate the sky god. In the Hurrian myth, the same thing took place where Kumarbi, who's the equivalent of Saturn and uh, Kronos, castrated the sky god Anu, except he did it with his teeth, which is, yeah. yeah. But uh, the, so the tricycle representing this this entity who's in the underworld, but it's it's fascinating to me that your book is coming out this year just and the reason I wrote my book this year is because and I probably should have timed it better had it come out early in the year or at the end of last year because on December 21st the winter solstice last year we had the uh, the great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn the two two of the brightest and most visible planets in the in the sky but uh, Jupiter representing the the king of the Roman pantheon and um Saturn representing the old God who'd been dethroned and cast down to the netherworld, Tartarus, or the, the abyss. And this is sort of a return of the golden age that the Roman prof, the Roman poet who was considered a prophet, Virgil, wrote about in his fourth eclogue. Astrologers and occultists are looking at that. They called it the great mutation because Jupiter and Saturn met within a tenth of a degree of each other. The closest observable conjunction of those two planets in like 800 years at uh, zero degrees of the constellation Aquarius. So we are now fully in the age of Aquarius, which is ruled by Saturn. And that in the, uh, the minds of new agers, occultists, astrologers is a return of old Saturn's reign, according to uh, quoting Virgil's uh, Eclogue four with a new breed of men sent down from heaven. So you've got this idea that this God is returning from the netherworld To bring back a golden age. I I just wonder if these guys are consciously aware of this, if this is something that they're actively pursuing. They might be. Derek, there's some very complex thinking involved with this group. So they have these gods from the dark world associated with certain um, star groupings. And at certain times of the year, 
it's kind of like that's when that the portal opens in there. So they do believe in portals. They do believe that these, at least in their writings, I don't know whether the believers of the ONA believe that, but in their original writings, there's like constellations with a certain stargate and you're placating that God at a different time of year. So people have looked at like some of uh, the, uh, the smiley face deaths or whatever and tried to put them on the standard satanic, you know, whatever, unholy days of the year. But this there, the, the calendar of the ONA is totally unique and has a completely different kind of, but a very, I would say very complex and astute analysis of constellations and times of the year where you're supposed to reach out to these gods at a certain time. Hmm. That makes sense. And this coincides with the recent emphasis by Damien Eccles, not to divert from the uh, your book, uh, Global Death Cult, but going back to uh, Damien Eccles, who was featured, of course, in the book Abomination about the uh, West Memphis Three murders. He's uh, recently published a book about... Uh, his new discovery that the God that he's been summoning and giving him the most power is uh, Enlil, which is another identity worn by this old entity, Kronos Saturn. Enlil was just uh, the same entity by a different name. Right. And you talked about that in that book. Uh, it was Red Moon Rising, was it? I remember you talked about Enlil uh, and Enki before, right? B- Bad Moon Rising. Yeah. it's Bad Well, he's, yeah. he's shown up in a, a number of different books. Yeah. Red Moon Rising, another excellent book, but that's Peter Goodgame. Uh, no, and, we, uh, no, but what was the book why I interviewed you about? Uh, I thought that was it. it was Last Clash of the Titans, perhaps? Oh, well, maybe was, that was it. Yeah. But I but, remember uh, you talking about Enlil and Enki before. Been getting into it. Well, uh, those, those, those were two of the most important of the Mesopotamian gods. And there are those today who still are looking back to those those two, and, and they're very important in the the mythology that was created by uh, Zechariah Sitchin, the late Zechariah Sitchin, who believed that the Anunnaki were space travelers from uh, planet Nibiru, which is just a misreading of the uh, ancient Sumerian texts. But the Anunnaki are uh, they were formerly the chief gods of Mesopotamia, who, like Enlil, their leader, were sort of relegated to the netherworld, where they became judges of the dead. And uh, but Enlil under a number of different names, including El of the Canaanites, Dagon, Baal, Haman of the Phoenicians, uh, and Kronos and Saturn. Again, I argue is Apollyon or Abaddon who's going to come back in the end. And I think that we're we're kind of triangulating on the same thing here, that you've got these guys who are actively trying to uh, bring about this this, uh, return and, and what this entity believes is his rightful place at the top of the uh, uh, the the cosmic ladder, if you will. In other words, pushing God right. off his pushing God Yahweh off his throne. Absolutely. I think that there's something like that, something very dark, something goes back to the Middle East and goes back into a kind of pagan cosmology. And they have to put their old God on. They have to get rid of the Nazarene, Nazarene, Magian. Yep, yep. So the ONA definitely has an anti-Christian element, too. What what influence do you see for these guys in the future? I mean, is it uh, are, are they actually a clear and present danger to national security, or is this uh, kind of a fringe group that, uh, as long as we watch ourselves when we're in dark places, we should be okay, at least in the physical realm, uh, and knowing that spiritually speaking, as long as we've expect, accepted Jesus Christ, uh, our our futures are secure in the. The, the spirit realm for eternity. But uh, what, what, what role do you see these, this, these guys playing here in the natural in going forward? Well, it still seems they're influential. If you had a two deaths in Russia within the last two or three weeks uh, associated with ONA, you have weird things popping up in uh, Serbia. So you see this kind of underground movement through Italy. Um, how much it's like would overthrow these states. I would think that they would love to get to the point where they could overthrow national governments. I don't think they're close to that yet. However, I do think that due to the internet, due to kind of these fringe elements becoming more accessible, I think that they'll probably will be more and more reference to these ideas, these infiltration ideas and insight roles, just like you saw or we saw Adam Waffen, which really only started in 2015, grew to and really they actually defined themselves as the death cult. One guy did and who were really hardcore kind of post-apocalyptic Nazi types. And uh, I think that their capacity for killing people like this one kid, Giampa, killed his girlfriend's parents, hmm. this poor guy in L.A., uh, Woodward killed another 20-year-old guy for whatever reason. He hasn't even gone to trial yet. 
And then uh, there was another couple killings in, in Tampa, Florida associated with Adam Hoffman. So you just see this diffusion of chaos, early death, um, and, and discord through these kind of ideas that come out of the ONA. So I'd say in that regard, very dangerous. Hmm. The, uh, the ONA and, and just, I uh, just curious to get your take on this. It just from what little I've gathered about them, I've read through your book. I've, um, read a little bit of the news coverage of some of these guys. And um, a lot of what's out there is coming from groups like the Southern Poverty Law Center. And I take whatever they put on their website with a grain of salt. But it strikes me that these guys are almost like the, uh, the flip side of a coin that, uh, that, that features on its face uh, groups like the Islamic state. I mean, this is just sort of a, a, a white European version of the Islamic state. I think that's fair. I think that's what happened with Mayad. He actually joined the most uh, conservative Islamist group for at least 10 years. So that was one of his insight roles. So he really identified with these terroristic Islamists. So I think that there's a correlation between them both, the ONA. And he actually saw something happen in Adamoffin, which was very strange, which is this one guy who was a core member joined Islam, which a lot of people on their face would be like, what is a Nazi joining Islam for? But if you understand ONA doctrines and ideas or ideology, you'd be like, okay, well, he's just, he's practicing ONA ideology. At least that's what I would think. So I think that, I think that the core ideas of the ONA of destabilization of infiltration, um, are applicable to this kind of Islam and and to the right wing groups, but I think that, like I said, I think that if you're a real uh, doctrinaire ONA member, you're attached to the ONA's ideas of chaos, diffusion of chaos and destabilization to put in the dark imperium, as opposed to being actually a white supremacist or a conservative Islamist terrorist. Does that make sense? It, it does. In fact, when you look back at World War II, you see that the the Nazis and uh violent Islamists in the Middle East were more than happy to partner with one another. Yeah, that's true. So what do you hope the readers will take away from your book, uh, Global Death Cult? I think that there's a couple things. I think just understand that there is an underground. There, and there, I think there are similar groups to this, that there are Nexians or groups that have the similar ideology or, or implementing ONA ideology. ONA was kind of unique in a way that they didn't have a rigid corpus, like you have to abide by this or you're not ONA. Instead, it was like very dark ideas that got spread around. So I would I would encourage your listeners to, to understand that there are some very dark ideas uh, in the dark web and the global underground. So I would say that would be it. And also, there are very vicious cults out there that uh, have really awful ideas that are very similar to Nazism, that they believe in they, they are the hand of evolution, and you don't want to get targeted by them. You don't want your loved ones to be targeted by them. I don't think that at this point in time there's over like 2,000 or 3,000 members of the ONA, but if they believe that they can cull at will and and get the human sacrificial victims and you have to get one sacrificial victim to move up past the fifth level of their septenary system it's something that people need to be aware about hmm. william ramsey his uh, book is global death cult the order of nine angles adam often and the slaughter of the innocents his website is williamramseyinvestigates.com you can buy the book there you can also buy his uh, documentary the smiley face killers and his previous books again williamramseyinvestigates.com there'll be a link in the show notes at vftb.net uh, william thank you for your research uh, this is a really dark subject one final question researching stuff like this crowley eccles and now Mayat in the Order of Nine Angles. How, how does that impact you? How does that affect you? That's a good question. I think that, you know, it's definitely stressful, I think. But, I mean, the Lord has brought me through all this. I mean, for it's been 10 years since I published The uh, Prophet of Evil. I think I published that in 2010. So I've been very fortunate and... Uh, I'm still here. You know, I feel like that was just kind of something God wanted me to do. So... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I just went and did it. So, but also I put out five, uh, documentaries there on my Vimeo page. So I have two documentaries on the smiley face killers. I mm. have children of the beast, prophet of evil about Aleister Crowley and then occult Hollywood. So I have all those on Vimeo if people want to check those out. But yeah, I, I, uh, I think that it was also something that 
they all built upon each other, Crowley to Eccles to Myatt. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've been very fortunate. That's, that's kind of how our research goes, true, goes too. You start pulling on a thread and you find there's a whole lot of stuff attached to it. But uh, yeah. you're bringing it into the light and shining a light on it. And that's uh, much appreciated because too many Christians today don't really believe that spiritual things are real. <laughs> Derek, we are in the, the heaviest spiritual warfare right now I've ever seen in my entire life. We are in deep and it's coming from a lot of different angles. So yeah. people really need to wake up out of their apathy or in the days, or they think that it's sometime in the future. It's now the spiritual war is right now. It's not you don't have to wait any further. There's all kinds of things going on with the with the jab, with uh, these underground groups, with mm-hmm. the movement of occultism. Um, there's all kinds of things going on. So people need to wake up. Yeah. Amen. 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 Uh, William Ramsey, again, William Ramsey investigates, and I'll add a link to your Vimeo site as well. Uh, cool. William, thanks again for your time tonight. Thanks, Derek. Great to be with you again. WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. That's the website. You'll find it in the show notes. The link, that is, at uh, VFTB.net. Straight ahead, a discount on a virtual conference from Skywatch TV featuring some of the last known interview footage with Chuck Missler and the missing Haitians. Where are they? That's straight ahead on A View from the Bunker. As the Middle East erupts in chaos, a devastating wave of terror shocks the nation. Thousands lie dead. An apocalyptic Christian cult is blamed. And suddenly, believers disappear as internment camps spring up almost overnight. Meanwhile, a deadly virus spreads. A desperate country demands answers. And only a few dare ask, what's in the vaccine? FBI Special Agent Joe Eunice follows a trail of evidence to a small town in Iowa and a young boy who received a mysterious email from God. Now, racing against time, Agent Eunice finds himself working side by side with reclusive internet broadcaster Barney Eisen. Together, they discover a disturbing truth at the center of the conspiracy. They wrestle not against flesh and blood. The God Conspiracy, a novel by Derek P. Gilbert. Get it now in paperback and Kindle. From Rose Avenue Fiction. Talking the walk on an irregular schedule from the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. This is A View from the Bunker. I'm Derek Gilbert. You'll find us online, vftb.net, and on social media, Twitter, at viewfrombunker, Twitter, at Derek Gilbert. That's D-E-R-E-K. Uh, you'll find us on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page there, View from the Bunker. Also, personal uh, social media, Gab, Getter, Parlor, and MeWe. You'll find me at Derek P. Gilbert. And uh, we are just trying to distribute ourselves across the web so they can't ban us everywhere. A couple of things. We've got the Skywatch TV virtual conference coming up in just a couple of weeks. October 15th is when it launches. This is Countdown. Uh, So titled because of the uh, focus in recent months. Well, last four years, really, on uh, the UFO phenomenon. I guess UAP is now the preferred term, unidentified aerial phenomena. But um, Josh Peck who is now the award-winning Josh Peck, thanks to his work on Silent Cry, which won two telly awards this past uh, season. He's got a new documentary out called The Great Deception, and it uh, features some of the last footage from um, never-before-seen, as far as I know, interview footage with the late Chuck Missler, Noah Hutchings, and uh, Chris Putnam, as well as L.A. Marzulli, um, Nick Pope, Russ Dizdar, um, Timothy Alberino, uh, I'm in the film as well, but uh, basically talking about the UFO phenomenon and addressing it from a different perspective than, um, well, than the mainstream media. I mean, Tucker Carlson is not talking about the spiritual aspect of uh, the UAP or uh, contactee phenomena. So with the virtual conference, you get access to the world premiere of the documentary, and like Skywatch TV's uh, previous Defender Virtual Conference, all videos will be released and available for you to watch on your schedule for 90 days. 
There's a $10 early bird discount if you order by October 10th, so save 10 by 1010. Uh, take advantage of that early bird discount, just $85. It goes up to $95 on October 11th, and then uh, everything goes live, released all at once, so you can binge on your schedule beginning October 15th through January 15th. Presentations from, uh, of course, Tom Horn. Uh, I'm doing two. I foolishly agreed to do two, so we'll uh, try to get those uh, done. But I've had the... Uh, the privilege to sit in on the presentations by Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, uh, Pastor Carl Gallops, uh, Gary Bates, author of Alien Intrusion. He's the CEO of the uh, U.S. chapter of Creation International, uh, also the writer and producer of the film, the documentary called Alien Intrusion, which was uh, narrated by John Schneider, features our friends uh, Guy Malone and uh, Joe Jordan, who are both putting together presentations for the conference as well. Joe is the uh, president of CE4 Research Group, which addresses the spiritual aspect of the uh, abductee contactee phenomena. And uh, Guy Malone is going to be doing a a presentation on uh, cryptocurrencies and whether cryptocurrency might be the mark of the beast. Interesting, especially with news this week that uh, the Federal Reserve Bank, or that Congress rather, has got legislation it's considering that would authorize the Federal Reserve Bank to create a... uh, what do they call it? A CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. And it sounds like a great idea because, you know, cash is uh, inconvenient. Digital currency, ostensibly more secure than um, using PayPal or your debit card. It, probably more secure. The drawback, of course, is that if you've got a central government issuing, a central bank issuing the digital currency, they know all of your financial transactions. There is no more financial privacy. So that'll be Guy's presentation. But you can find out more, all of the presenters and uh, all of the information about the conference. And, of course, a place to register at DefenderConference.com. That's uh, DefenderConference.com. It has been a strange couple of weeks this week uh, this past week with the the border crisis at del rio texas just exploding out of nowhere at least in our perception it exploded out of nowhere i i don't want to spend a lot of time on this because i do this every day at skywatch tv so you can uh, follow the five and ten daily news updates which are really news commentary i mean we don't do breaking news i i just try to offer reasonably intelligent uh, commentary on the news of the day from a Christian perspective. Uh, you'll find that at skywatchtv.com or the Rumble channel, which is rumble.com slash skywatchtv. But best is really just get the Skywatch TV mobile app, and that way you bypass any of the gatekeepers with big tech or social media. But uh, all of a sudden, it seemed like out of nowhere, there were 4,000, then suddenly there were 7,000, then suddenly there were 11,000, then suddenly 16,000 people underneath the International Bridge at Del Rio, Texas. And how did that suddenly happen with nobody having any heads up, any advance warning? Where did all of these people come from? And especially, <laughs> why is it that all of a sudden th- these people are mostly Haitian? Now, I understand that ha- Haiti has lost a lot of people over the last 10 years. They're still trying to recover from the massive earthquake in 2010. They've been hit with hurricanes and other earthquakes and uh, j- just natural disasters. The government there is a mess. So I can understand people wanting to leave for better opportunities. I truly do. And according to one article I read, corporate media, a number of Haitians have come north from Brazil or Chile where they were working on um, visitor visas or work visas. Uh, a number of them went to Brazil to uh, for construction jo- jobs back in 2015 and 2016 because they hosted the World Cup and then the Summer Olympics back in 2016. So construction jobs, Haitians went there and worked and then stayed, but uh, now they're coming north. Same deal in Chile. Apparently they went there and now they're coming north. But nobody's asking, in in the corporate media, I've not seen anybody ask these questions. How did they get from Chile to Brazil or to, from Haiti to Brazil or Haiti to Chile? And then how did they get from those countries all the way to the Mexican border? Because that's a long way to walk. I, I talked about this uh, year before last when we had the, the migrant caravans coming north from Honduras and El Salvador and, and how far it was to walk and how fast they seem to be traveling. When you consider that, um, you know, these are people who are, are not well off. It's not like they've got really good uh, hiking shoes and uh, food and water and shelter from the weather. So 
it just seemed really implausible a couple of years ago that these people were actually walking unassisted from Honduras or El Salvador all the way to the Mexican border you know, with Texas. And now we're supposed to believe that these people just suddenly showed up in Mexico from Chile. Why isn't CNN? Why isn't Fox News asking this question? How did they get to the border? Well, I think we know the answer to that. Somebody is helping them. But the question is, who and what do they hope to gain? What is the purpose of bringing all these people to the border? And it's the the reaction of the American media is very telling. Because even the so-called conservative outlets who are critical of the way the Department of Homeland Security is addressing this, the way the Biden administration is addressing it, they're not asking, how are these people traveling from South America on foot? We have friends in Central America who say these caravans did not come through our country. I mean, countries that would have had to been traversed by these groups, if they really were walking from Chile all the way to the Mexican border, they would have had to cross these countries, and they didn't, they didn't cross, they, they didn't go through them. So how did they get here? I'm guessing, I'm just guessing now that somebody flew them to Mexico City or perhaps even points closer to the border where they got out and then they started walking. They surely did not walk all the way from Chile. So who has facilitated this mass movement of people? And as of today, and I'm recording this on Friday, September 24th, it was reported that... um, the 16,000 or more who were under the bridge last weekend is now down to about 3,000. 1,400 have been returned to Haiti, according to the corporate media today. About 3,200 are in custody. And 5,000 have been released into the country with notices to appear. A little piece of paper saying, please report to your local border patrol office as soon as you can. And history shows that they just don't. They're, they're, they're gone. They're somewhere in country. We don't know where they are. And of course, they're not vaccinated. You know, not that I'm encouraging everybody to take the vaccine because we've been very critical of this. But uh, if the government is going to insist that vaccines be mandatory for federal employees, for our military, and for any employer in the country with more than 100 employees, why are we allowing thousands of migrants into the country? We don't know who they are. And we don't know whether or not they're healthy. Uh, But those numbers that I gave you, by the way, when you start subtracting out, okay, so many in Haiti, so many in the country, so many still in custody, so many still under the bridge, about 3,000 or so, uh, that leaves about 3,400, if my math was right earlier today, about 3,400 just unaccounted for. And yet, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas assures us that the border is secure. Well... It's easy to get angry about this, but uh, the thing to remember is that God has not been taken by surprise by any of this. You know and I know that there's a highly unlikely, that it's highly unlikely that the uh, election results from last November were actually accurate. But again, God has allowed this for his own reasons. So how do we as Christians proceed? If the first century church could spread the gospel and turn the world upside down under the rule of the Roman Empire and with the persecution of the religious leaders in Jerusalem, surely we can persevere in the one mission that we were given by our Lord and Savior, which is to make disciples of all nations. That's our mission. And the other stuff, frankly, yes, politics is important because it affects our ability to raise our children and our grandchildren in peace but ultimately the one mission that we were given was to make disciples of all nations and we can still share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ with a world that is growing darker even when the other team is in the White House or has control of Congress thanks for making time out of your schedule to listen to this podcast this week got one coming up in just a couple of weeks with Dr. Judd Burton. We'll be talking about, uh, well, the spiritual aspect of all of these migrants entering the country. 
what uh, spirits are they bringing with them. Until then, leave us a review at Spreaker, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever else you find us, which is, of course, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Give our Facebook page a like. Our announcer is DC Good, and a view from the bunker is a production of Gilbert House, released under Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. You wrestle not against flesh and blood. I'm Derek Gilbert, and this is a view from the bunker. <laughs>